Howdy there. I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. If you ever wanted to make a podcast, well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for, for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. Uh, so no matter what uh, your setup is like, you can uh, start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, and also, if you want to take your conversations to uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer answer and polls are the best way to get them talking you can attach that to your your podcast there and, and you get your you get you know valuable interactions with your fan your fans and uh <clears throat> with spotify for podcasters you can earn money in a variety of ways including ads and podcast subscriptions and best of all it's totally free with no catch and that's uh that that is true um, <laughs> supposed to do a testimonial here, um, but anyways, this is the the podcast I use or the podcast uh host that I use. I like Spotify. They're uh they're very good on just letting you do your thing uh with uh with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcasts on Spotify and, and this is uh this is a great way to get started if you if you've ever thought about starting a podcast this is where I would send anybody to go um <clears throat> best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for podcasters app or you can go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started and yeah if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify podcasters is your spot. So uh, go to spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. Chev got stuck in the Ford, got stuck with the Chevron, stuck when the Dodge showed up. But the Dodge got stuck in the tractor rut, which eventually pulled out the Ford with some difficulty. Howdy there, I'm Matt McKinley and we're burning daylight. Good morning folks, how's everybody doing today? It's about 5.30 here in western Nevada. I just got done feeding horses and I'm headed to the old feed yard uh holy shit you guys have been awesome uh the first episode kind of exploded overnight and uh there's like 160 people that listen to it and uh that's pretty fucking awesome so thank you all for uh support the likes the shares and all that good stuff uh i appreciate it keep them coming and i'll try to keep bringing you some entertaining content um i recorded a segment yesterday and then it uh 
got lost or something. I'm, I'm, you're gonna have to bear with me on while I get this recording stuff down. Uh, I've never edited a second of audio before two days ago. I've never really recorded anything other than on Boxer to my college buddies, and that's just mostly dick jokes and uh, making fun of our uh, Jew friend Rob. And uh, I'm not anti-Semitic, uh, for all of you who are wondering, but buddy Rob is a Jew, and uh, he is really an easy target to give shit to, not because he's a Jew, but the Jewish thing doesn't hurt in the shit-talking. Um, so, there's that, um, so, I, uh, it's gonna be, uh, kind of a rocky road, uh, until I get this, uh, this recording and the format all dialed in, but I'm glad you guys are enjoying it, I've had a lot of good feedback, uh, had a fella that even, uh, was inspired to buy a Trump rope because of the podcast, so, uh, that's pretty awesome, uh, we got listeners in, uh, Canada. Uh, so, eh, what's that all about? But, uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, a lot of, a lot of listeners in Texas and, uh, Colorado. Uh, a few in California throughout the Great Basin. Had a couple in Missouri, Kansas. Uh, but pretty cool. So, uh, thank you guys for, uh, thank you guys for everything. And, uh, we'll keep, we'll keep rocking along. So this segment that I recorded yesterday and it, and it uh, got left out, but I had, I had read an article while I was taking my morning dump, and uh, Justin Bieber had uh, challenged Tom Cruise to a, an MMA match, and um, I'm not sure if I would pay to watch that. Not not because of the premise, but just because. Uh, I think Tom Cruise would beat the fuck out of uh, Justin Bieber, and it would be over very quickly, so I don't know if it'd be worth the the money to pay for it. I'd still watch, don't get me wrong, I just don't know if I'd pay for it. Um, Yeah, Tom Cruise does all these action movies, and uh, I think he does a lot of his own stunts, so he's probably trained in some sort of martial arts and or hand-to-hand fighting, and... I honestly know nothing about the Biebs except uh, a lot of younger girls really love him and a lot of dudes really hate him and he's got more money than God. That's about all I know about Bieber. So, he maybe he uh, maybe he could take Tom Cruise. I don't know. But anyway, I like this idea. As I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm pretty libertarian so I am very anti-government spending, because uh, taxation is theft, and tax money, government spending is just the theft of our our money in the form of a tax, but uh, that can be a conversation for later, but anyway, so I'm heavily opposed to government spending, except for this one program, and it doesn't exist, but I think what it should, we pump a bunch of money into building little octagons for people to duke it out in, and, uh, there'll be public property, no, uh, as soon as you enter the cage, you waive all rights to sue any and everybody, and, uh, 
So all these, uh, all these like Antifa douchebags and equally douchey are the Proud Boys and whatnot. Uh, instead of like having mob warfare in the, the streets of Berkeley or wherever, wherever else it is, uh, we just throw them. You just call out whoever you want to call out. You bring them into the cage, and they'll these will be all over the United States. They'll be like uh, they'll be like uh, drinking fountains. Just every corner, there's a there's a an octagon next to a drinking fountain. Maybe by uh, maybe by a payphone too, since we're going in the wayback machine. Uh, but anyway, I would support government spending on that type of project and uh yeah instead of having a bunch of riots and a bunch of snarky back and forth passive aggressive uh keyboard warrior bullshit now get in the ring three rounds one minute rounds each because let's face it nobody very few people are going to have the stamina to go more than three full minutes of fighting so Either uh, somebody's going to get knocked out real quick. I, I highly doubt anybody's going to get submitted because uh, I, I doubt anybody. There's very many people that actually know how to do that shit. So, um, or most, more than likely is it's going to end with both people uh, about to die with their hands on their knees and nobody really got hit. So I think it's a brilliant idea. And, uh, I'm going to start the segment of who you want to, who do you want to call out to get in the octagon. I, uh, yesterday my choice was Jim Acosta from CNN. And, uh, it has nothing to do so much with his politics as it is his snarky, uh, like, uh, very, uh, what is the word? Um, condescending attitude. He just he he acts like he is so much better than everybody he's around, and because of that, he would be the one I wanted to fight yesterday. Today is oh, I'm gonna think on that, but I I'm I'm gonna call somebody else out into the octagon. And, uh, I also think I could beat the fuck out of Jim Acosta. Um, but, that, that'd be my guy. Um, if you got any good ones that you, uh, that you want to call out, send them to me. And, uh, if they make me laugh, I will, uh, I will, I'll read it on this show and, uh, give you, give you a little shout out. So, anyway... I'm pulling into work. We're getting ready to do our morning meeting. I will, uh, I will catch up with you guys here in a little bit. Well, folks, today I'm going to be riding Lori. I'm going to go catch her right now. She is how about the, the handiest horse I have on hand at the moment. So we got a bunch of cattle to move today and, uh, so I'm going to ride her because she's going to work the best for me at the moment. Lori, how are you this morning? 
Well, my little Lori Mare has been working pretty damn fantastic this morning. Uh, we just got done checkweighing some heifers. And uh, for checkway, for all of you who are unaware, we, uh, we bring the whole pin and we're just trying to monitor their growth. And uh, we, so we'll take a group or a bunch or a draft, depending on what part of the, the world you're from, uh, of so many so many head and then we'll run them across the scale get a weight and then we'll take them home so we just got done weighing them and I'm in the process of moving cattle back to their home pen and uh yeah, little lori has been working like a like a champ so that's always uh always makes your day nice so i've been trying to tell this story for uh, most of the morning and I either my recording shuts off or some other something or other but anyhow my wife uh, sent me this uh, or she tagged me in a post in the comment section and it was from I believe it was from Lyon County Nev Lyon County Nevada uh, their Facebook page and it was an article from the Reno Gazette Journal and uh, it was a proposal to help uh, control the Mustang population and uh, as we went into the, the Mustangs here a little bit yesterday um, yeah it's kind of a kind of a disaster the the whole scene it's uh, people have uh, lionized these uh, these Mustangs so much that they uh, you know you can't hardly do anything with them uh, because of the backlash so anyway so rather than gathering them up and just doing a typical cull of the herd like you would if you were uh you're a rancher <coughs> with your own herd just get the old sick weak uh non-producing ones out and uh you know then you can uh you can continue on having a healthy herd and uh get back here uh Lori was wanting to run off on me a little bit uh Anyway, it just typical uh, common sense stuff. You call the, the ones you don't want, and then the other ones can thrive a little bit better. But now I can't do that because most likely the ones you call are going to go to slaughter, which they should, They're, unless like somebody just really wants to buy them. But that's the, the thing is a lot of people love these horses, but nobody wants to uh, just take care of them. There are very few people truly want to take care of them. So... This proposal is to uh, to shoot these uh, these horses with a birth control hormone, which I'm guessing, and I haven't, I didn't read the article because it was it was one of those paid sites from uh, you know a paywall deal, and I wasn't going to pay just to read this article. And uh, but I've read something similar to the to that article before, and uh, and I don't recall the specifics, but it's I would imagine you're gonna focus on the, the females, the mares, and uh, and you would shoot them with what I would assume would be a progesterone uh, variant, and uh, that would cause them to uh, to not uh, ovulate. They, you know, they would just halt their estrus cycle, and really, therefore they couldn't breed. Now. The 
The physical proposal in itself is not all that outlandish. Shooting them with a dart. I've used these dart guns to administer medicine before, and they, they work. They're not 100% effective, um, and they don't get 100% of the dosage that, you're, that you put in the little uh, dart syringe. Because uh, when you shoot one of those, you can see the medicine uh, flying out the needle tip as it's, you know, as it's coming out the, the rifle there. And so they're not 100% effective, and they're not, you know, you're not getting a full dose on them. But the, the hormones, however, while they're not 100% effective either, they're, they're highly effective. Uh, you know, the beef industry and the dairy industry and uh, hogs, everything, even humans, you know, they use hormone therapy for reproduction, uh, you know, all, all the time. I mean, it, it's pretty fucking common. And, but the, the part that gets me is how much is this going to cost? As you know, I'm a sort of libertarian and, uh, and the federal government, uh, I don't know if they have ever paid fair market value on anything except maybe the Louisiana purchase, uh, which, uh, Jefferson basically stole from the French, but other than that, I don't know of a time that the federal government has uh, has paid a, a fair market value for anything. So, just to give you an idea, these darts typically cost from anywhere from oh, uh, I would say probably three to five bucks a piece. Because the last time I I did the meta order when I was working for this the confined cow calf operation. Uh, I can't remember if it was a three-pack or a five-pack of these darts uh, were, and uh, we'll just say five cc's because that's a typical dose for a Ludolize, which is a, a prostaglandin F2 alpha, which is not the hormone you'd be wanting to use. But, uh, but just going off a similar price point, I would imagine a progesterone would be pretty similar to that, and that would be uh, right... Typical dose is five cc's on on cattle, so it'd be pretty similar to that on a horse, I'd imagine. So we're just gonna we're just gonna spitball it at that that number, five cc's per head, and uh, and we'll call it uh, we'll call it four bucks a dart. So nine dollars an animal to treat with this hormone birth control deal, and I don't know like how long lasting that is. But if you don't know, horses are uh, long day breeders, so their their estrus cycle is controlled by the amount of sunlight there is, or the, the length of the day. So typically, your your foals are born in spring and summer, and uh, so I don't. So if you if you could get it to last four months. Uh, you could probably, uh, you probably could do it once a year, but then you, so you're looking at $9 a year per animal, uh, of your hard-earned tax dollars, uh, going. So about nine bucks a head a year for this deal. If, uh, if it's a once a year shot, I don't know, maybe they can do, uh, a longer lasting one than that but 
I don't know the detail, the specifics on that, but that would be roughly about what I would call fair market value, give or take a little bit. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but that's, that's a ballpark figure. So if you're looking at that, it's not, doesn't seem all that outlandish until you bring the federal government in. And they, like I said, they've never paid fair market value for anything. There's stories of uh, the Reagan era where they were paying, like I think it was like 1,500 bucks for a hammer. A hammer. Just a normal old, either ball peen or a sledgehammer. Just maybe it was a claw hammer. I don't know. I'll have to tell you about my father-in-law's claw hammer massacre sometime. But uh, that's a, I'll, I'll tell that story a little later. Uh, so anyway, just a normal old hammer. The federal government, I believe it was the Department of Defense. Uh, uh, paid about 1500 bucks for a hammer. And uh, so if you're looking at that, a hammer probably costs, what, 10, 15 bucks, a good one. Uh, Snap-on, you're probably looking at like 30 or more. Um, so if you're buying tools, uh, the government should be paying, you know, Stanley or Craftsman type prices. But what the government does is get like... Stanley or Craftsman quality tools and pays Snap-on or Mac type prices or even more. So what you're getting is uh, so what you'd be getting is uh, rather than a nine buck, nine dollar cost per head, you'd probably be looking at fifty. I I bet and that's just a, a random estimate, but I, it's probably on the low side, maybe on way on the low side of what it would actually cost just for the dart and the medicine, let alone the manpower. Uh, and of course the bureaucracy involved behind it because you got to pay the bureaucrats so they uh, and they've got to find something to do to justify their job so you yeah it could be in the hundreds of dollars per head and then there's the fact that you've got to get close enough to these suckers to shoot them with this dart you're not gonna go all Chris Kyle on them and uh, and snipe them from a mile out uh, and unless they have that technology, which I guess wouldn't surprise me, but uh, anyway, it doesn't seem real feasible. And uh, yeah, because you can't round them up and uh, run them through a shoot and give them all a shot, which would make more sense. It would uh, be more cost effective. Uh, but, but even though nothing about that whole deal is cost effective, but uh, yeah. It's a it's a ridiculous proposal, um, but I, I I won't be surprised at all if it gets enacted. And uh, but the best part was, like I said, I didn't read the article, but the comments were absolutely golden. Like uh, all caps, leave the horses alone. Five exclamation points, and uh, this is their land. Well, no, it's not. They're they're an invasive species, but. Anyhow, and, and they're animals. They are animals. But anyway, that was pretty goddamn funny, I thought. And uh, so go go read the article for yourself. I'm sure there's other articles wrote about it. But, uh, maybe, I don't know. Call your, uh, call your congressman. Uh, they may not answer you unless you uh, just happen to have some, some money. If you mention a donation, I bet you they'll get back to you real fucking quick. But... Anyway, uh, there's uh, yeah, one of your daily doses of lunacy from uh, 
from government and politics. And uh, one little, more little comment about this little proposal. I, uh, I suppose it's a very, very feminist and uh, forward progressive thinking to uh, to use birth control on these mares because they are, they are, I'm sure they're strong, independent women-type horses that uh, they don't need no man and uh, they don't need need no babies. Uh, so, feminine uh, horses for feminism. Maybe I'll start that as a, a troll account somewhere. Horses for feminism. <laughs> Let me know what you think about that one. Today's episode is brought to you by Don't Be a Gunsel. Uh, if you uh, make an acronym out of that, it'd be DBAG or DBAG. Uh, but Don't Be a Gunsel is a line of, uh, it's a clothing line and uh, just kind of some, some random cowboy related merchandise uh, catered towards the working cowboy who has a sense of humor. Uh, started by uh, Josh Williams, who is a buddy of my cousin Robbie. They were old rodeo partners, and uh, and I I think it's a pretty cool deal. I I wasn't real familiar with it, but I got off the phone with the guy, and he's a he's a stand-up dude. Sounds like a pretty good hand, and uh, I'd like to thank him for uh, supporting the show. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move forward from here, hoping we can. Uh, spread a little humor throughout the cowboy and buckaroo world and uh and because of that he's gonna give us all a discount uh so if you go to don't be a gunsel on uh on facebook and instagram and twitter you can find him and if you want to buy any of his merch i suggest you do you can uh you can use the promo code burning daylight b-u-r-n-i-n daylight d-a-y-l-i-g-h-t all one word just type in that promo code and uh you get yourself a little discount and uh help out uh an up-and-comer in the in the cowboy uh apparel and merchandise uh world and uh you can support both of us by doing that so that's uh don't be a gunsel promo code burning daylight Okay, so back to the Clawhammer Massacre. So my father-in-law was, uh, he, uh, is a, uh, heating and air conditioning guy by trade, sheet metal, uh, worker, and, uh, he's a funny, funny bastard. He, he, he's really, he, and he's full of shit. I always tell people that when they meet him, I said, you can never believe uh, a single thing he says, because he is, uh, he loves to tell stories, and he loves to just fuck with people, uh, he gets, uh, he gets, I don't know how much joy he gets from it, but that's a lot, and, uh, so he was, he was doing some construction work, uh, carpentry, I think they were putting in a bathroom at this, uh, ranch in, uh, well, it was north of Lamar, Colorado, I won't say the name, oh. Uh, but it's north of Lamar, Colorado, and he's putting in a bathroom. And this ranch had an intern from Nebraska that was going to going to school there at Lamar Community College, uh, which is uh, has a pretty decent little uh, associates program for ag uh, 
animal science, agriculture. Uh, they've got a horse training program that's uh, that's really well known mm. and uh, respected. And so this kid was working there. I don't remember what his... He was some sort of agricultural major, but... And he was from Nebraska, and he thought he was pretty... Pretty hot shit, and uh, and not, not to talk down on Nebraska. I'm going to talk shit on probably every state in the country. I'll even talk shit on my uh, my beloved home state of Colorado uh, from time to time. So uh, don't don't get your panties in a wad, Nebraska. But anyway, this mostly is the kid thought he was pretty hot shit, and of course my my father-in-law being the one to. To knock a guy down a peg or two, he uh, he gave him a, a whole bunch of hell, and uh, you know, Nebraska. What the fuck has Nebraska ever contributed to the United States of America? Only steers and queers come from Nebraska, you know, and on and on. And uh, so this kid, he came in the the shop uh, where where Steve, my father-in-law, was uh, putting in this bathroom. And uh, said he was a, kind of a short little guy, and they, it, was a, it was in the middle of winter uh, during cabin season. And, uh, I think this kid was night cabin, maybe. And uh, so he comes, he said he could see him through the shop doors, you know, the windows on the shop doors, and he could barely see his hat, his cowboy hat, uh, poking above it. And uh, so he, uh, he could tell he was coming in the shop, so... And he was all in a hurry about something. And uh, so my father-in-law just grabs a claw hammer because he was, uh, and he wasn't even using a nail in that project. It was all, all three-inch wood screws. Which so he did not need a hammer in any way whatsoever. But he he grabs this claw hammer and starts just hammering on the table and just cussing. And he's like, "Son of a bitch, I'm gonna kill that motherfucker." And uh, just just going on and on. And this kid bursts through the door right about the time. And, you know, he started doing that right as the kid walks through the door. just And says, <laughs> the kid's eyes got bigger and shit. And he's like, uh, uh, have you seen Bo? And Bo was the, was the foreman of that, that ranch. And, uh, and Steve, he just slams the hammer down and says, fuck Bo. He said, uh, okay. And he said, I ain't going back to prison for this motherfucker. If he wants to bury his own bodies, if he wants to bury a body, he can do it in his own goddamn self. I ain't going to be no part of this claw hammer massacre. I ain't going back to prison. And he said that that kid went turned uh, white as a ghost and possibly pissed himself and uh, had never seen anybody backpedal so fast in his life. It was like the, the Homer Simpson gif. Jif, whatever you call it, that uh, where they back into the bushes, but on uh, you know on rocket boosters, <laughs> and uh, and then Steve calmly puts down the claw hammer and uh, continues on his day, and uh, he still talks about that to this day, and it's kind of the inside joke around around my family circles. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> don't don't get caught up in the in a claw hammer massacre, <laughs> so. Oh, I'll, uh, you'll be hearing some more, uh, more stories from father-in-law Steve. Uh, he's got some pretty good ones. 
So my uh, cousin was giving me shit. I think I mentioned that already about not telling enough stories. And I uh, needed to add a little humor to the, the podcast. And uh, so when I was up in Montana working on this outfit, uh, come springtime, we went to, went to go build some fence. And uh, on uh, this pasture, uh, they called uh, Coal Mine Cooley. And uh, I honestly, it took me a good... Uh, I I was only up in Montana for about four months, I believe. And and it took me most of that time to figure out that a coulee was just a draw or a gulch or an arroyo. Uh, as, you know, or, yeah, just a, a waller, <clears throat> even. Uh, but, so I, uh, that far up north, you know, the, a lot of the guys kind of, kind of get a, a Canadian accent, don't you know? And uh, they uh, they kind of say sorry and a boot and uh, you know the, it's the they 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 feed their cows in a in a feed wagon and uh, so they uh, I was told to go uh, prowl this uh, prowl this pasture and they said uh, and the guy that that was the foreman he was from uh, I think from Minnesota, so he really had a had a a goofy accent, don't you know? And he said, uh, "No, no, go go check them cows, and uh, make sure make sure you uh, you double check that uh, that little juniper coolie over there." And uh, and he just vaguely pointed in a direction, and I said, uh, "Okay," and not to be the one that. Uh, uh, at the time, I've got a lot better now that just admitting when I don't know something, uh, instead of trying to, trying to fake it till you make it, I guess, uh, so I didn't know what the fuck a coolie was, and, uh, so I, but I said, yes, sir, I can do that, and, uh, it looked like a search party, I, I was a search party when I, when I prowled that pasture, I covered every little bit of it, and, uh, I didn't know till months later if I'd ever actually checked that juniper coolie, but, uh, or I didn't know where it was, but I knew damn sure that I had checked it. So, anyway, I found out a little later, I I talked to another guy, and I, that was, uh, he was from eastern Kansas, I believe, and um, I said, what the fuck is a coolie? And he's like, oh, it's like a, like a little draw. I said, well, why don't they say draw? And he said, if you told them to go check the draw, they wouldn't know what the fuck you're talking about either. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. So, anyway, we I was building fence and uh, coal mine coulee, just going around checking. You know, it was after winter. They, had, they got quite a lot of elk up there, and uh, and they tear the shit out of fences. And I, I'd built a lot of fence in my lifetime at that point, and I, I knew what I was doing, but I'd never built... Uh, fence in mountain pasture ever, and because I'm I'm from the Great Plains, there uh, we've got one mountain in the county I'm from, and it's uh, it's actually a Butte, two Buttes, Colorado, and uh, yeah, you're out there on uh, flat as flat as can be, maybe some rolling kind of rolling hills, uh, and then all of a sudden there's a little uh, 
little mountain with two peaks. Uh, and so it's called Two Buttes, because I guess it's not a mountain, it's a peak, uh, butte. So I, uh, building fence in the mountain pastures was a whole different deal. And, uh, I mean, you had, uh, you had your wire stapled to a tree, and then, of course, the tree would grow around the wire, and it brought out, so then you'd, you'd have... You'd splice at the same spot every year, it looked like, and uh, you could see a whole bunch of old splices hanging off there, and uh, and uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was a little bit of a learning experience building building fence in the in the mountains, and uh, so I, uh, but it was one another one of those scenarios where I was by myself, uh, it was me, and uh, at that time I think I was on a four wheeler. I didn't. I was able to get to it uh, on a four-wheeler. I didn't have to to ride a horse up through there. So, but I was out there by myself, uh, mind wandering as it tends to do, and uh, I had to fix this water gap. And uh, so I went and found. I couldn't find a, a very big rock that uh, you know a big enough rock to just hold it down. So I got two small. Uh, smaller rocks. I mean, they were they were still pretty big, but I wanted to make sure that you know it was it was that water gap was sure fixed. So I uh, I put those uh, those two rocks on there and I wired them up and, uh, and I put the the fence stay in there and uh, I was like <laughs> I I wonder if I put those. And I, I had them had those rocks spaced out a little bit. I was like, I should, I should put those rocks right together, and I'll use my instead of a fence stay, I'm gonna put an actual fence post in there, cedar fence post in there. And so I did, and uh, sure enough, uh, some ranch. I don't know if it's still up there. I hope so. But there's a there's a ranch up in Montana that's got a cock and balls for their water gap, and. Uh, I think about that from time to time, and it makes me chuckle still. Still, that was 10 years ago, and uh, I laugh my ass off. All right, folks, I think I'm gonna wrap there for this episode. I may record a little bit more later, and maybe even put out another one today. But I think that'll do it for this one. Seemed like a good place to call her quits, and uh, I really sincerely thank you guys for all your support and uh the activity i've been getting here the last couple days and uh uh it means a lot so i appreciate it and uh so that being said go find me on twitter and instagram at mickermack85 m-i-c-k-e-r-m-a-c-k-8-5 uh follow the the show page on instagram at burning daylight no g just b-u-r-n-i-n daylight uh, find me Matt McKinley on Facebook and then Burning Daylight on Spotify and Anchor. Hopefully on Apple here pretty quick. And uh, and then you'll all be everywhere. Everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Or something. Whatever. And uh, so as a shout out to my, uh, my Canadian listeners, we're going to get another dose of Core Blunt today. So, that's it for me. Move your ass, we're burning daylight.
Jeff got stuck in the Ford, got stuck with the Chevron, stuck when the Dodge showed up. But the Dodge got stuck in the tractor rut, which eventually pulled out the Ford. With some difficulty. Well, more rain than we'd seen for a thousand years Caused financial joys and biblical fears It caused some smiles, it caused some tears But more to the point of our story For the first time in the collective memory That old brown prairie that had been so dry for so long Was very muddy Boggy and sticky We'd pull one truck out and get another stuck in And motors would roar and tires would spin We'd sink right down, down to the diff And we'd all take turns and do it again Till no one could move We'd call one more friend Come on out here, we need you Bring your truck Jeff got stuck in the Ford Got stuck in the Chevron Stuck when the Dodge showed up But the Dodge got stuck in the tractor rut Which eventually pulled out the Ford and the dodge. They got me stuck in the mud so they couldn't rehearse. And Chavez, too, has missed his work. Richie, he now fears the worst. He stood up his ex-wife. She called him a jerk. Of course, Holman didn't have nothing better to do. Except ranch. Chip got stuck in the board, got stuck in the Chevron, stuck when the Dodge showed up. But the Dodge got stuck in the tractor rug, which eventually pulled out the Ford. Well, it was truck after truck, we all got stuck. Except the big old four by a hundred ride truck. We all thought, Lord, are we in luck? But he wouldn't come anywhere near us. Mighty neighborly. Mighty neighborly. So we used a lot of our backs and a little of our brains. We jacked up the jacks and snugged up the chains. We all did our very best to refrain from shoveling. We put what timber we had underneath the wheels. And we was all out of sand but managed to steal two sacks of the best modern canola seed you ever did see. That ought to give us some traction. Jeff got stuck in the board, got stuck in the Chevron, stuck when the Dodge showed up. But the Dodge got stuck in the tractor rug, which eventually pulled out the Ford. Epilogue. We spilled genetically modified canola seed that was genetically modified for controlling the weeds of a big old yields of margin oil and raised hell all over that native prairie soil. Agriculture Canada is definitely going to be looking for us. Ha <laughs> ha.